The Crimson Fists A second founding successor of the Imperial Fists, the Crimson Fists have maintained the proud traditions of their progenitor legion for ten millennia, battling their multitudinous enemies of the Imperium with a stoic ferocity for which they have become renowned. Though recently decimated by the war of the infamous orc warlord Snagrod, the arch-arsonist of Caradon, the noble battle brothers fight on through the chapter's darkest epoch, drawing on their proud spirit and 10,000 years of faithful service to the god-emperor of mankind. The origins of the Crimson Fists lie at the end of the Horus heresy, in the wake of the cataclysmic civil war that saw the arch-traitor Horus bring the Imperium to the very brink of ruin. Those Space Marine legions still loyal to the Emperor embarked upon a massive program of reorganization and rebuilding. Rebute Gilliman, the Primarch of the Ultramarines Legion, presented his Codex Astartes, a tome of epic proportions that set out the future of the Legionis Astartes, as smaller units called chapters, each formed from a parent legion. A number of the Primarchs, including the Imperial Fist's Rogal Dawn, vehemently opposed Gilliman's plan, hailing it as detrimental to the security of the Imperium and a grievous insult to the honour of his legion. The matter came to a head when the Imperial Fist strike cruiser Terrible Angel was fired upon by the Imperial Navy. To his eternal credit, Rogal Dawn relented rather than plunge the Imperium into another bitter internarsine war, as did his brother Primarchs. He divided his legion into three chapters, the die-hard followers of the Primarch, retaining the livery and title of the Imperial Fists, the more zealous brethren becoming the Black Templars, and the more recently initiated and level-headed members, the Crimson Fists. The newly formed chapters were appointed a battle barge, a number of strike cruisers, and several rapid strike vessels from the Imperial Fists' extensive fleet, and struck out to forge a destiny all of their own. Over the next ten millennia, the Crimson Fists would carve their name in the annals of the Imperium, proudly maintaining the legacy of Rogal Dawn and the Imperial Fists. Taking pride of place within the Asamoralorium of the Chapter's Spacefaring Fortress Monastery is a majestic hololith carving depicting the Chapter's first master, Alexis Pollux. In this masterpiece, Pollux is portrayed during the newly formed chapter's first action, the scouring of Urlek Prime, in which the Crimson Fists fought and defeated a large force of Exodite Eldar, who were attempting to eradicate the small Imperial colony recently founded upon that world. Pollux was a giant of a man whose physical strength belied a cold, rational and supremely logical mind. His character did as much to mould the future of the new chapter as the legacy of its Primarch Rogal Dawn and his masterful and stoic defence of the colony serves to this day as a tangible example to new initiates of the chapter. Pollux fell eight centuries after the founding of the Crimson Fists, during the battle for an unnamed system codified as HR-8518. The system was occupied by a previously unknown alien race, who came to be referred to as the Scythians. These deviant Xenos warrior monks made war using terrible venom-based weapons, and it was such a poisoned projectile that struck the chapter master in the temple and brought about his death. It is said he fought the deadly poison for many days before his superhuman physiology was finally overcome. 
After his death, his forces enacted his plan, and the aliens were repulsed from the system after a short but extremely bloody campaign of Xenocide, from which the Scythians learned the true power of the Imperium. The Xenos have since rarely engaged Imperial forces in open battle, preferring instead to mount stealthy raids and assassinations where their deviant underhand and dishonourable ways can prevail. Homeworld For 9,000 years, the Crimson Fists were a space-born chapter, plying the space lanes of the Imperium aboard a fleet led by the gigantic fortress monastery Rutullus Tyrannus. They were a crusading chapter, in the same manner as the Imperial Fists and the Black Templars, though they maintained close ties with the Loki Sector in Segmentum Tempestus, which is home to a number of feral worlds from which the chapter draws new recruits. Segmentum Tempestus is infested by many Orc empires, and the chapter soon became expert in fighting these barbaric aliens. It was after the glorious conclusion of the Volta Jern Crusade in 745 M40 that the Crimson Fists were granted fiefdom over Rin's world in the Loki Sector. The Sector had been threatened by a number of nascent Orc empires, and the Crimson Fists were able to attack each one in turn before any individual warlord could amass the strength to start a war. In the aftermath of the Crusade, these empires collapsed as warlord turned upon warlord, their ambitions stymied by their inability to present a unified threat to the Imperium. It was more than a thousand years before another Orc empire would threaten the Loki Sector, in the form of the disastrous Wa-Snagrod. Prior to Wa-Snagrod, Rin's world was a pleasant agri-world, providing exotic foodstuffs to the Imperial nobility across the entire sector and beyond. The Crimson Fists built their fortress monastery in the inhospitable Hellblade Mountains. Though they retained feudal rights to the world, they allowed the hereditary governorship to remain in the hands of the local nobility. This very much follows Rogel Dawn's approach to worlds from which the Imperial Fists would recruit, allowing the chapter to concentrate on their own duties, while the administration of their world is handled by those most qualified to do so. Rin's world's proximity to the chapter's primary source of recruitment, the feral world of Blackwater, made it an ideal homeworld. This allowed Crimson Fists apothecaries and chaplains to attend the annual Festival of the Bloodied Fist, during which the most promising on the feral world's young men would vie for the opportunity to join the mighty warriors from the stars. During the festival, the aspirants must undertake feats of great strength and courage, culminating with the Rite of the Dragon, in which the would-be space marine must track and kill one of the ferocious swamp-dwelling barb dragons, killing it with only his bare hands in order to earn the right to become an aspirant marine. Each year, only a handful of young men get as far as this right, and only one or two of these are likely to survive it, ensuring that only the best are accepted into the chapter. With the destruction wrought by Snagrod, Rinsworld has much rebuilding to undertake. The siege of New Rin City was a protracted conflict that saw the city and vast swathes of surrounding land reduced to a barren, war-torn wasteland, now the conflict has been won. The surviving Crimson Fists are looking to their chapter's future and the building of a new fortress monastery. Combat Doctrine When the Imperial Fist Legion was divided into individual chapters, those brethren of a more moderate nature became the Crimson Fists. 
where many of their former brethren in the Legion railed against the changes wrought by the implementation of the Codex Astartes, the Crimson Fists embraced them. As a result, the chapter has maintained the combat doctrine set down by Gilliman, training in all aspects of war the Astartes may expect to undertake. Throughout the chapter's long and glorious history, it has become noted for its expertise in fighting the many alien monstrosities that assail the Imperium of Man, in particular the Orcs. While the Crimson Fists have never neglected training to fight any and all foes, it is true that they have proved a valuable asset to the Order Xenos, contributing many battle brothers to secondment in the kill teams of the Death Watch. In the aftermath of the Battle of Rinsworld, the chapter has found itself severely depleted and unable to fight in the manner prescribed by the Codex Astartes. Throughout the war, Chapter Master Cantor was forced to field his squads as infiltrators and guerrilla troops, attacking specific high-value targets rather than spearheading massive assaults, as would most other chapters in such a conflict. With the resolution of the war, one of Cantor's primary aims has become the rebuilding of his chapter into a viable fighting force once more. Chapter Master Cantor Pedro Cantor has served as the master of the Crimson Fists for almost a century, and his record of service goes back another 250 years before he assumed that position. He first rose to prominence at the Battle of Melkit Sound, where, as a sergeant, he led his squad in a boarding action against the Orc kill cruiser, the Growler. The cruiser was disabled by the attack, allowing the Crimson Fist strike cruiser, the Crusader, to break the Orc battle line, scattering the alien fleet and winning a battle for the Imperium. He is close comrades with Captain Cortez and served alongside Cortez during the battles at Steel Cross, the defence of Fortress Maladon and the Caridian Campaign. The two warriors rose through the ranks together, fighting side by side as brothers. Cortez's stubborn nature tempered by his friend's even-minded calm. Cantor reportedly grieved deeply when his compatriot disappeared fighting Eldar pirates in the Wheel of Fire. Though Cantor, like many of those who knew the captain of the 4th Company, harbours the belief that the notoriously invulnerable captain lives on yet. Faced with the destruction of the vast majority of his chapter at Rinsworld, Cantor was faced with a choice few chapter masters have ever had to make. He could lead the remnants of his decimated force in a vainglorious last stand, or, as he chose... He could marshal his resources and deploy his remaining force in missions that favoured small elite units looking to the eventual rebuilding of the chapter. It has been noted that many would have chosen the former option, ensuring their chapter a place in legend rather than accept their virtual defeat. It is to Cantor's eternal credit and as a mark of a leader of superior character that he made the choice he did, for the Imperium can ill afford the loss of such a chapter as the Crimson Fists. Organisation As has been noted, the Crimson Fists have, since their founding ten millennia ago, adhered rigidly to the precepts of the Codex Astartes. Following the Battle of Rinsworld, the chapter is committing all available resources into rebuilding this organisation. True to their origins as a space-borne crusading chapter, the Crimson Fists have traditionally maintained a large fleet of battle barges, strike cruisers and rapid strike vessels, Though the Battle of Rinsworld saw these assets depleted enormously as Orc kill cruisers rampaged throughout the system, those vessels that survived the initial losses of the war 
proved invaluable, installing the Orc invasion until the Imperial Navy could master a response, reinforcing the Navy once they were in system and in moving Cantor's small force around the war zones to make best use of its skills. Following the losses of the Rin's World campaign, the chapter finds itself in the unusual position of having more specialists than Battle Brothers. The chapter's fleet vessels are commanded by tech marines under the master of the fleet, and a number of apothecaries are also stationed aboard these ships. The presence of these experienced brothers is vital to the rebuilding of the chapter, for without the tech marines' intricate knowledge of the workings of the machine god, the Crimson Fists could not maintain a viable fighting force. And without the apothecary's knowledge of the complex process of creating new warrior brethren, the chapter would dwindle and disappear within a short span of years. With the completion of the Rin's World campaign, the apothecaries have begun the long process of inducting new brethren. The process cannot be rushed, however, for the Crimson Fists have a long and noble tradition to maintain and to compromise on the quality and suitability of aspirants. At such a critical juncture in the chapter's history, could one day spell its doom. A number of scout squads have been accepted into the ranks of the newly reformed 10th Company, and these individuals are forging the future of the Crimson Fists with every battle they fight. They have already distinguished themselves in early actions against the Orc invaders, and are developing an abhorrence for the barbaric race, beyond even that of a veteran of many Xenos wars. Beliefs the Crimson Fists venerate the Emperor as the gene father of the Adeptus Astartes and Rogel Dawn as the Primarch of the Imperial Fists Legion. They maintain a strict calendar of holy days, one of the most sacred being the Day of Foundation, during which the entire chapter gathers to celebrate its creation. During the ceremony, extracts from the works of Alexis Pollux are recited, as well as the words of Dawn himself. The chapter's greatest victories are remembered, and its boldest sacrifices commemorated. In this way, the lessons of the chapter's history are passed down through the ages, ensuring the brethren learn from the actions of their ancestors. This sort of critical introspection is encouraged by the Codex Astartes, but actually practiced by very few Space Marine chapters, whose pride will often preclude any admission that they have anything to learn from past mistakes, or indeed that their predecessors erred in any way. In line with their ancestry, the Crimson Fists have been observed on occasion to follow the Imperial Fists' tradition of fielding a champion of the Emperor. The chapter fields the Emperor's champion far less frequently than other Imperial Fist successors, such as the Black Templars, but there have been a number of recorded instances when a battle brother has been overcome with visions of the Emperor on the eve of battle and taken up the Black Sword and donned the Armour of Faith to lead his brethren into righteous battle against the Emperor's foes. No instance of an Emperor's champion being fielded has been recorded since the destruction of the Crimson Fist's fortress monastery on Rinsworld, and it is entirely likely that the ancient and sacred vestments of the office were lost forever in the destruction. Gene Seed The Crimson Fists draw their recruits from a number of feral worlds in the Loki sector, most notably the world of Blackwater, the natives of this world are renowned for their ferocity and courage, but are far from barbarous primitives. They are a noble people whose lives are a daily struggle against adversity, and it is this stoic nature that makes them such ideal material for the Crimson Fists. Being a successor chapter of the Imperial Fists Legion, the Crimson Fists share their genetic legacy with them, inheriting many of the characteristics of their Primarch Rogel Dawn. 
The chapter's gene seed is highly stable. They're the Imperial Fists and therefore the Crimson Fists. Genome is lacking the Betcher's gland that allows a space brain to spit acid. And the Suzanne membrane that allows him to enter a life-sustaining state of deep sleep. The Imperial Fists are known to suffer from a deep-seated drive towards self-sacrifice and penance. They strive to master the self-inflicted punishment of the pain glove and are notorious for their dogged pursuit of victory, even in the face of overwhelming odds. Perhaps because their initial membership was drawn from the less extreme members of the Imperial Fist Legion, the Crimson Fists do not suffer from this headstrong impulse to anywhere near the degree of their progenitors. They are certainly every bit as noble, relentless and dedicated, but have clearly conquered any urge they may have to prove their devotion in the fires of self-imposed penance. The chapter only narrowly escaped extinction during the destruction of its fortress monastery. According to the genitor adepts of the Adeptus Mechanicus, a chapter reduced to less than a company of brethren has only a 20-25% to chance of survival, but the failure rate of the prognoid gland will often preclude the successful harvesting of new gene seed, resulting in an inability to induct new brethren. It was only the chapter's superior gene seed that saved it from extinction, for the Crimson Fists have been reduced to less than a company of brethren, yet seem more than capable of rebuilding their numbers. However, it will take many decades before those numbers are at anything approaching full strength. Battle Cry Chaplain, there is only the Emperor, brethren. He is our shield and our protector. The Rinsworld Incident In mid-989 M41, the Orc warlord Snagrod, the arch-arsonist of Claridon, united the warring factions bordering the Loki sector and launched the largest war the Periton 163 cluster had seen in almost a millennium on the isolated Imperial colony of Bad Landing. The defenders of Bad Landing were utterly unprepared for the invasion, and within days the only major strong point of resistance was the town of Krugerport, where the remnants of the Mordian 18th, 24th Lamas and 49th Boros regiments put up a bold but ultimately doomed defence. Confident that he had the world in his grasp, Snagrod put out insistent, ranting broadcasts, broadcasting that his next conquest would be Rin's world, which lay only a few weeks' warp travel from Bad Landing. Chapter Master Cantor responded immediately, dispatching the 4th Company under Captain Draken to Bad Landing to stall the Orquois and determine its strength. The Battle of Krugerport was a tragic defeat for the Crimson Fists, who found Wah Snagrod to be far larger and more aggressive than they could have predicted. Only a handful of Space Marines survived the battle, though those that escaped were able to bring invaluable intelligence back to Rinsworld. Cantor ordered the immediate recall of those companies fighting away from Rinsworld, mobilised the Planetary Defence Force and prepared for the inevitable invasion. When the Wah hit Rinsworld... It was with a force unparalleled by any other orc invasion since those of Armageddon. As orc dropships and rocks fell through the night sky, Cantor and his command squad, along with a bodyguard of ten battle brothers, were inspecting the outer defences of the Crimson Fist's fortress monastery. Seeing the invasion upon them, the small force prepared to return to their base when the horizon turned an incandescent white. Night turned to day, 
and an instant later a blast wave struck the marines, barreling them to the ground. For long minutes the very air burned and howled, like the gates to hell had been flung open, before subsiding and leaving the night lit red by a distant conflagration. The Crimson Fist's fortress monastery had been destroyed. By infernal chance, a single warhead launched from the Laculum battery had faltered on its trajectory, falling from the edge of the stratosphere back towards the ground. One single missile should have proved insignificant to the mighty adamantium walls of the fortress monastery, but this was not the case. The missile struck an unknown weak point, penetrating deep into the rock upon which the fortress stood. The missile, designed to penetrate the armoured hide of a starship before detonating, penetrated deep into the rock of the fortress monastery, eventually hitting and detonating within the chapter's arsenal. The fortress monastery of the Crimson Fists, the mountain, and an area half a mile wide was atomized in a heartbeat. Cantor witnessed the destruction of his chapter from afar, but set aside his grief to consolidate what little power he still commanded. Going to ground, Cantor resolved to make for New Rin City, where a small contingent of Crimson Fists stood beside the local militia. The trek to the city took ten days, with the Fists lying low during the day to avoid the increasing numbers of Orc patrols. They marched through the night, never stopping for food or rest. On several occasions they ran into Orc invaders and were forced to fight their way through. But on the tenth day they reached New Rin City to find it under siege by a massive force of barbaric invaders. Skirting the edge of the enemy, Cantor led his men towards the only intact access to the city, an underground tunnel that crossed under the river Pakomak to the island on which the city stood. The gates of the tunnel were barred and barricaded, and Cantor's force reached them scant moments before the invaders launched a near-suicidal frontal assault upon them. To Cantor's great joy, though, the Crimson Fists manned the gates. Together, the two forces fought for hours to repel the endless tide of orcs that smashed into the barricades. The siege of New Rin City was to grind on for 18 months, but under the inspired leadership of Pedro Cantor, the Imperium won out against near-impossible odds. The wider war would take many years to win, and many of the worlds of the Loki sector captured by Wa Snagrod, including Bad Landing, are lost remaining in all cans to this day. Well, there we have it. There's a bit of Crimson Fist history, a bit of lore. Uh, they, they also have been reinforced by Gilliman's Primaris boys, so they're now back at full strength. Uh, but again, we haven't really heard much about them. No one's really covered that. The story of Rin's world is always, um, has always come back to me as like a really tragic set of circumstances. But yeah, that's... Uh, that's all I've got for you today. Yeah, I'll be back in with more stuff soon. We're almost at the end of these Index Astartes things. I think I'm going to move on to doing some other stuff. This was a nice change for me, though. Nice change of pace, I think, for the channel. I'll do something similar in the future, uh, but I like to change things up, as you guys know, and do different kinds of Warhammer content. And, and you know, at the same time, I just like to mix it up. One video will kind of be lore, another one will be story time, another one will be a review, maybe something else will just be a chat about something. That's kind of what I'm aiming for with the, chap uh, the channel, so... Yeah, stay tuned, more to come. Do like the video, really appreciate that. Let me know in the comments what you think as well, that really helps. And if you're not subscribed too, do subscribe. And thank you to everybody supporting the channel as I've been waffling, your names have been sliding by. And if you would like to support the channel as well, I'd really appreciate that, that helps immensely. 
Uh, you can follow the links below, either uh, become a YouTube channel member, uh, which is the easiest thing, or over on Patreon or on Subscribestar as well. I've got that option there. Okay, I'm going to go. Thanks all. Thank you all. I'm going to go. I can't speak anymore. Bye-bye.